Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. mad at each other we've been recording for 30 seconds and we're already having a fight we're mad no wait <laughs> guys we started the episode off and we're angry at each other no we're not really angry it's just i thought we're gonna resolve this i guess in front of everybody okay i had homework first of all hello An- listen everyone. annabelle didn't do- hi everybody great to see you thank you for coming you can't no one can see anyone oh well you know great to be here lovely to share this space with you listen Annabelle did not do her homework, and I'm angry. I'm angry. If you knew me at all, you'd know that I've literally never done my homework once in my life. So, listen, I'm writing it right now. Listen, you can hear it. Basically, what's going on, to bring everybody up to speed, is a few episodes ago, I told Annabelle that she needed to make a list of people that knew her father that she was going to reach out to to speak to them about who her dad was. As a person, like who he really was. Right. And uh, what did you do the last couple of weeks instead of that? Mm, that's why What have you been really doing? Delicious. You have been pretty busy, to be fair. I've been so busy. Okay, so tell us, what have you been up to? Well, I've been... That's boring, I think, probably, but... You making your list in front of everyone is boring. I don't think it is. <laughs> okay. So who's number one? Well, I haven't started the list yet. Well, let's do it right now. <laughs> who's number one? Okay. Well, we already decided last week that Jack Nicholson. Number one. Well, whenever we had this conversation two weeks ago. Yep. Jack Nicholson. Okay. Number one. Number two. The other monkeys. One will be easier than the other. Mickey will be easy. Okay. Mike won't be that easy. Why not? Do we need to bake him cookies? Do we need to no. send him flowers? Um, Mike and I don't really get along, to be honest with you. I don't know why. I think it's because my dad and him had so many ups and downs. So I just... I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised. Carried that on. I mean, last time I saw him, it was a bit strange. <laughs> what is it? Tell the story. No, I went to, there was like an anniversary of the movie Head, which we discussed in the first episode, and Mike was there, and he was with his personal assistant. Okay. I think she's his personal assistant. I'm not 100% sure of the plot. So I introduced myself, having never met this person, and said hello to Mike. It's just a bit icy. It was slightly frosty (laughs) okay well we need to just thaw that ice you know i say we bake him a big cake he likes popeye's chicken just get let's get him a big bucket of popeye's chicken and just go by some popeyes yeah we Um, just show up at the gate no we had to take a picture together because everyone was like ah take a picture together so we took a picture together i looked terrified in the photo google it and he said oh no my husband came up and was like and because they were like oh get in the picture as well 
And I was like, oh, don't worry. I don't know. Somebody said something about a strange man. And I put my arm around Mike and I said, we're all strange men here. Or something like that. Which is funny. I think it was funny. Yeah. I thought it was like a kind of joke that Cher would make. And um, just looked at me. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't land. Didn't think it was funny, no. no. But to be fair, I think him and my dad did have a complicated relationship. Well... But I want to know about that. Well, that's why he's number three on your list. All right, so who's number four? This is good. We're almost done. We're going to go to five, and then we're moving on. I think I could speak to very easily Henry Diltz. That's like a big... I love Henry. Yeah, Henry. You know, Henry took my first headshots ever. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's like a very good family friend, and I think he would probably have some He's good He's lovely. Chat. I love... So I'll write Henry down. I love Henry. Let's I'm write sure Henry he right now on Instagram. Thrilled. For those of you who don't know who Henry Diltz is, he's an incredible photographer. He has, God, photographed rock and roll history from the yeah. beginning. <laughs> I mean, beginning he was almost time. like during the heyday of the late 60s, Laurel Canyon and yeah. the folk and pop kind of explosion that happened. He was there. Yeah. Photographing it all. Amazing. His work is incredible. Truly gifted. Yeah. Like... And such a nice guy. Yeah, I mean, somebody, you, anyone can take a picture. And I think that, obviously, I'm not saying anyone can be a photographer, but there is something unbelievably special about his vision. Yeah, I know. Um, so when I was starting out as an actress, my mom took me to Henry, and we did my first headshots, black and white. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, so Henry's four, and who's number five? I don't know. Can we get back to number five next week? Because yeah. I don't want to decide to be by the spot. end of the no, episode. No, 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 but, but I, no. Let's keep it, keep it rolling. I need a Okay, okay. All right. Okay, so we're past the anger at the top of the episode because <laughs> Annabelle just did her homework. I'm going right. to give you an A minus. Okay, that's good. For incomplete because <laughs> <laughs> you haven't done... I told you to do oh, 10. Nice writing. This is a start. I do have good writing. Thank Mine's A minus for now. Okay. Writing. So what else is happening? A minus. Here we are again. That's given me PTSD seeing that. Some <laughs> grades again. Best grade I've ever had. <laughs> Just now from you. I, I don't think I ever got an A minus in my life. I did for like English. I would get A's and A pluses for English and drama and stuff. Yeah never for anything else no i i barely graduated i remember my mom had to go to my high you didn't no what do you mean you didn't graduate i didn't even finish high school what do you mean didn't finish long story my mom got cancer and i had took care of her had to leave high school to do that wow what grade i was 15 16 because that's the end of high school in england well you didn't miss much no i don't think I. you really didn't my schooling was strange. I would apply myself and get an A, and then I would just get a D. Yeah, it was the And same. then I'd get an A again, and then I'd get a D. You remember when we were talking about our jobs and how we would just go on our lunch break or whatever, or just quit? Yes. Or I just wouldn't come in the morning? Mm-hmm. Same vibe, same energy. Today I'm on fire, tomorrow I might not even show up. I mean, unless I'm really passionate about something, it's hard yeah. for me to stay consistent. Consistency is tough, isn't it? In life, for everybody. But it's Consistency key. is key. It, it really is. It's key, but it's very hard. Yeah. We've been talking about that a lot in this house this week. And, like, for me, with some of my jobs, I wake up or I go to bed the night before and I'm just dreading doing my work the next day. Yeah. I'm sure, like, many of us feel about work or school and it's just, 
you feel like you can't possibly do another day but you have to so our job as musicians actors is showing up every day so for our songwriting how are you with your songwriting you know billy joel said he goes to the piano every day and that's that's the success you know yeah i know a lot of people live by that i don't but he says he rarely writes an actual song but he sits at that piano every day yeah i don't do that so for me it's my writing in my book or being at the piano and I am somebody that goes in bursts. So I will write, 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 write. And then I withdraw for a few weeks or a few months or whatever it is. And I won't do anything. But for me, I don't, there's no loss of skill or capability during that time. I am in like a resting restorative zone. Exactly. Almost like hibernation. And then I burst out and I do my thing. I would agree with that. I'm very much the same. For me, if I'm writing every day just to show up and write, my songs start sounding exactly the same. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I'm writing about the same thing over and over. So I'm the same. I will go away, go fill myself with... Yeah, so people experience A good book, a trip, something, and then come back to it again with uh, a new perspective. Speaking of trips, we never went to the Channel Islands last month when we said we were going to go. We will go to the Channel Islands. We can't... Well, we could go to Catalina. Yeah, that's what I was saying. That's what we we're going to do. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you go with somebody else? I did. I went with somebody else. Who did you fucking go with? The thought of being stuck on an island with you just freaked me out. You're a bitch. <laughs> Who did you go with? I didn't go yes we will go that was really good acting we i know i'm i believe you i'm an actress i'm a shakespeare trained actress Hmm. by shakespeare himself so we followed up on my list and i didn't finish it i got an a minus for incomplete what we were meant to talk about this week following on from last week by the way i listened to that episode today Mm -hmm. and i thought that i had done a really bad job and you'd done a really good job, but I was like convinced at the time that I had just done an absolutely horrible job. Oh, I hadn't. It was fine. Yeah. It was good and entertaining. And in my mind, it was a train wreck. It wasn't. Yeah. I mean, probably because your mind went. I was having PTSD. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so following on from that, we said we we're going to do a two-parter, which we don't need to. But listen, we need to talk about the MTV flop rock the cradle flop the cradle i don't you're just saying it was a flop because you weren't on it no it was and it wasn't exactly a hit was it (laughs) um i don't know what it was this episode's going to be called flop the cradle look no it's funny don't be serious (laughs) good god annabelle this is why you're good for me it's fine to do stupid shit sometimes yeah i've done a lot of stupid sh in my life now I'm not even cussing anymore. <laughs> it's getting worse. S.A. Listen, on the long list of things we have in common. You've got a tattoo on your arm which says 69, so don't try and tell me that you don't swear. 69. It's my brother and sister's initials. S and G. Oh, I thought that was a six and a nine. God. Well, I'm dyslexic, so you see I've turned that S around. Yeah, it's not even... Are you trying to get rid of it? 
Uh, yes, I am. Why? You know, as an actor who does theater, tattoos are really, really annoying because... Get yourself some Kat Von D makeup. Well, you put makeup on it and then the lights are on you and you get hot and you're rubbing up against other actors well. in the scene. And it's getting all <laughs> over these costumes. Oh, yeah, it's getting all over the costumes. And then it drips off. Oh, it drips off. And it takes the audience out of belief because they're trying to watch yeah, Anthony and Cleopatra. Up one another dripping. Right. Nobody had tattoos back in the day if you were a Shakespearean woman. So it doesn't work. I don't know. We weren't there. We can't actually That's say true. for sure. We can't say. We can't I say. feel like because Shakespeare invented the name Jessica, didn't he? There are names that he like know. invented, or is it Jezebel? Something, Jess. I feel like she probably had tats. I'm sure you're right. I don't. I mean, I bet some of them did. Listen, I just don't want my tats anymore. You know. Fair enough. I got them when I was young and stupid. Even mine that I don't like. Not getting rid of them. No. It's like a fork in the road or something. I look at it and I go, mm, that's who I was then. Noted. Yeah, because you have a, a neck piece. Yeah, I love this one. What is that? It's an upside down orchid growing from out behind my ear. What made you get that? I get my tattoos usually at like very transitional times in my life. So I was coming out of a relationship and I had finally recovered from my eating disorders and like every I was like shedding an old skin and the boyfriend had got me an orchid and so I did an upside down orchid growing from behind my neck I don't know kind of just felt important at the time and my my best friend in England one of my best friends has got the same thing really matching oh and what's this arm piece this is the Mion River the River Meon, where I grew up in England, in Hampshire. And I got this when I first sort of like, I guess in my early 20s when I came to LA knowing like, wow, this place is going to be in my life for a while. And I know that I'm going to be spending a lot of time away from home. And I got that then. Just reminds me of home. It's beautiful. Thank you. What were we talking about? We were talking about... We were talking about Rock the Cradle. Oh yeah, Flop the Cradle. Rock the Cradle Rock was a show on MTV that Annabelle was supposed to be on, but she backed out at the last minute. And I came in at the last minute, so we just missed each other because I never knew of you. You never knew of me. So what was your process like? The show went on. It aired on MTV for eight episodes. It was three million viewers weekly kind of thing. We performed every week and America voted. It's like the X Factor, but for children of... Musicians. Was it all musicians? Yeah. The auditioning net was very far and wide. And they narrowed it down to, what was it, like eight of us? I don't even know. Anyway, a small number. But what was your audition process like? Uh, Okay, so my audition process was... I don't remember how we got in contact with... Or how they got in contact with me, but... I'm sure they found... Honestly, don't even know how. Because I was so young at the time. I think I was still a teenager. Yeah, I definitely was, because I was in my first band at the time. So I was a teenager. I was in a band called Lady and the Lost Boys. And if I could have bought your love, then I would have done. Yes, I would have done. 
They reached out to me and I went to America one summer. The show was in development and then uh, I guess when I was in LA one summer they reached out and I went to the... My auditioning process was a disaster. <laughs> what was it? Every time. When I look back I bet they were just rubbing their hands together thinking God this is going to be great television. This girl's a train wreck. <laughs> my first audition I had been in it's a bit of a sad story, really. I'd been in California that summer and my dad was meant to come and meet me and he never came. And I ended up living in, wait for it, the Hotel California. Uh, in Santa Monica? <laughs> oh my God. With the surfboard? No, no, you didn't. I lived there for quite some no. time. No. Yeah, really weird. Such a strange time in my life. It was so strange. What is with you? I know, I'm so weird. <laughs> I've done so many weird things. Okay, and so then, you were living in the Hotel California. Yeah. And my dad never came. And your dad really just... sad. I don't know where he was, but he never came. And I was really not very well at the time, to be honest with you. Jesus. Really struggling with my I know I keep talking about it. Fucking eating disorder. That was really in it's it. It's okay to talk about it. Many people struggle with an eating Ugh. disorder and I don't think people talk about it enough. It's because you and me are going back to a time. We're kind of walking our steps backwards. And during all this time, I was so in it with all that stuff. And yeah. I think that's why it's coming up. Because yeah, we're touching on some things that we don't usually talk about in our lives. What we're sharing here, you know, we're going to explore many many things over a long period of time hopefully with this podcast but these first initial episodes we're touching on some things that we haven't spoken about since they happened yeah really in our yeah, lives definitely. just simply because we have this in common and it's just interesting that we do it's very rare yeah, you know, we that you meet somebody else so many times but so met right and so we don't normally talk about these things in our life but we're Which sharing why them i keep yabbering on about my bloody eating disorder anyway. it hasn't you you feel like it has been but you've just yeah, slightly mentioned it a few times just but in, just in case you guys didn't know i'm really skinny but it's okay because it helped you never know who's listening who needs to hear it and talk about it as well so i'm so grateful that i've not had that experience in my life i've had my other <laughs> vices for sure but not that specifically and that's the beauty and the gift that we give each other is by looking back we can see things a bit more clearly you can't say stuff like that and expect me to just brush past it and not laugh what we like i've had my vices in the past you just can't we'll just keep it moving but you can't i'm not an actress i can't just brush by things <laughs> which vice are you referring to some of the ones you've had yes well, that's another episode. Right now we're talking about you and your <laughs> Hotel I, California I, stay. Okay, I lived in the Hotel California. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. My stuff was at my sister's house in Santa Barbara. Okay. So the stuff that I had, I was carrying into in an Trader Joe's bags. 
Yeah. So I turned up to the production offices. And okay, so you're staying at the Hotel oh, California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've jumped ahead. Of. On the beach. They and, email me. And you get word that, hey, we want you to audition yeah. for this TV show. No, we want you to come and do a screen test. We want you to come and do a screen test. And you thought that meant. No, I go. No, I. Well, because you told me that when you showed up, that's a different train wreck disaster. Okay, same show, different train wreck. Got it. So this initial screen test took place where? In their production offices in in Santa Monica. Okay. So they called me at MTV. Not MTV, you know, at the production company's thing because it hadn't been picked up yet. Got it. So I screen tested as like a lead character they knew they wanted to sell the show with me got it okay so i turn up because they called me on my flip phone and um (laughs) i flipped it open and i answered went right over there and i turned up (laughs) did you ever trade her joe's bags with you i actually did (laughs) not laughing it's tragic i took the bus over there and i didn't know how to take the bus in america you have to have the exact change. Yeah. Because just by the way, in England, take the bus every day. Um, New York, very easy to take the bus. Not a complicated process. Not, Something not about easy. LA, the bus is just like... Not, public transportation is not easy. In LA? In LA. No, it's a disaster. <laughs> it's, You're lucky if a bus comes every hour. On so the, you got there on, got on with the your bus, Trader Joe's bags. Change. This woman gave me her bus token. It was very sweet. And then I got there with my Trader Joe's bags, which had ripped at this point. So oh, they probably loved you. No, they loved. They thought this is going to be great television. Great television. Uh-huh. So, so did you have to sing that first time? No, just chat. Okay. And then, so I got off with the part and it was like a year later or something. I don't know when the show was actually going in to be made. Mm-hmm. And I came over for my, for what I thought was a meeting. Mm-hmm. Yes, well. And you show up I to show a up. massive soundstage. Yeah, car comes and picks me up. I think I'm going to an office for a meeting and a bit of a sort of video chat like we did last time. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I'm going to the soundstage. I get ushered out the at limousine. CBS, at right, the CBS, right, where we studios. shot. Yeah. yeah, never been to one of those before at this mm-hmm. point. So I was in awe. And I get out of the car and I'm like, what am I doing here? What is going on? A runner comes out, you know, the, one of these showrunners. Hey, Annabelle, oh, how are you? So nice to see you look beautiful. I don't. I'm wearing <laughs> ripped jeans, those Indian sparkly slippers that girls used to wear in the early noughties, a cardigan, a grey T-shirt. Trader Joe's bags. Trader Joe's bags. No, at this point, I think I'd graduated to at least a Gelson's. <laughs> yeah, I was shopping at Gelson's at this point. No, I still couldn't afford Gelson's. And... Yeah, take me into the green room. Do you need anything? I'm like, yes, I need to know <laughs> Where? what is going on. <laughs> and so I'm coming? just trying to act cool because I'm like, don't blow this, don't blow it. You've come. Now, were all you the way prepared with a song? No, no. Okay. I'm sitting in the green room, and when you sit backstage at venues and and sound stages, there's a little TV in the corner or on the wall mm-hmm. that shows you what is going on on the stage or on on the sound stage and so i sit down on the couch and i'm sitting there very confused about what's going on and then i look up at the tv and i see olivia newton john's daughter performing on stage mm-hmm. 
realize it's not a TV program. <laughs> it's <laughs> happening in real time. Happening in real time. Mm-hmm. Outside of the room I'm in. And the judges start talking to her. And then I realize, oh my God. <laughs> I'm next. I am literally next. So they pulled me out the room. That set was massive. It was <laughs> huge. <laughs> the live audience for the shows was 5,000 people. Yes. There were bleachers. So, yeah, it was huge. And the set, the stage, was a massive guitar. Yeah, I actually remember seeing the pictures. With st- a staircase that came down. Yeah. So yeah. you you go out there, and, yeah, and there down. were the suits were out. Yeah, it was about 20 or 30 people. Watching so you. In this situation, screen tests, whatever it was, there would have been the MTV people there, the production company people there, the sponsors, I'm sure, mm-hmm. or something. You know, like money people. Mm-hmm. Hello, Annabelle. Oh, hello. Um. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to sing for us today? Yeah. What are you going to sing for us today? I'd like everyone to know I really am not a musician. I'm a songwriter. I can play chords and on the guitar and the piano. I can play bits of everything. I'm not somebody that can play instruments live, especially like live performance. I'm not good enough for that. So Look, you are the No, you already had them sold. They were sold with fine. the Trader Joe's bags. No, they know. were they were done. But all these girls were in full glam. They looked like rock stars. And I've turned up in a, literally, a granny's cardigan. Oh, God, it's so hard to think about. So then when you went, you did I end up singing down. that day. I'm sitting at the piano. I look at my hands. And I just said, the stage is so big. I said, it looks like the American Idol stage or something. And a voice went, yeah, it is the American Idol stage. We just had the final last night. <laughs> and I just... And they had the same band. Yeah, it was really frightening. And also. I looked at my hands and I looked at the blank music stand on the piano and I just played something and it was a song that I'd written and it was so depressing and so sad and just so cringe. And I stopped and they all started, started clapping and everything and they really liked it and like cried and stuff. And I think they cried because they felt really sad for me because I was... Such. And they thought America will feel really sad yeah, for they her were like, too. This girl is They'll so vote for tragic. Her. She really looks homeless. She keeps bringing Trader Joe's bags everywhere she goes. Oh God, <laughs> she's so the star we've been looking she's, for. She's a star. <laughs> so then they offered you. So then some, the series. For some reason they offered me the series because <laughs> they thought this is going to be great. And then what they happened? They probably thought I was going to have a mental breakdown and it would make great television. Yeah, they were counting on it. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, haha, I didn't because I didn't even go had a mental breakdown. I did. I did <laughs> Before. That. <laughs> I did, did that in my <laughs> private time. Didn't get paid for it. So, anyway, they offered me the contract. I really wanted to do it and then I just didn't like the contract and I was in a band at the time and it would have meant having to leave my band and... I felt really bad about that. I was really invested in the band. I'd I'd been in the band for now a couple of years. And, you know, me and my bandmates, we put so much time in. We would rehearse every weekend. They had put so much time in. I'd put so much time in. And it just felt like the wrong thing to do. I felt like it was an immoral and ethical thing to do to leave them and just go and do something like that. And so I said no. And then Britney Spears' manager called me at my mum's house Mm -hmm. because he was on the 
program, wasn't Larry, he? I'm Larry, I'm really close Rudolph. with him. He's wonderful. And he, they pulled the big guns out when I said no, and they got him to call me. Yeah. Because I knew it was a Britney Spears stan. And she came to a lot of our tapings. He, oh, for God's sake, don't rub it in. Well, she did. I'd Good look over, God. she's standing on the side. I'm like, hey, Brit, what's up? Good God. So they said to me, like, I had him call me, and he was like, I showed it to my friend who was Beyonce, Knowles's dad, and, like, he would, they were pulling out all the stops to try and get me to do it, and I just, my conscience wouldn't let me do it. I just couldn't. I felt so bad about it. Joke's on me. A guy in the band left a fucking six months, eight months later to go and do Talk something goes. similar. Learn my lesson, though. What's your lesson? Sell out when you have the chance? Not sell out, but, <laughs> you know, my dad used to say this to me all the time. Do not wait for anybody. Do not wait around for anybody. Yeah. So anyways, I didn't do it. Luckily for you, I didn't do it. Luckily for me, because because you would have been some harsh competition. We would have been. (laughs) Do you think we would have hated each other? Oh, God, no. We would have had the best time. Do you think? Or do you think we would have been like so similar? Because we were so crazy back in those days of our lives. I don't know. I don't function that way with women. I don't hate women. I'm not saying that to be self-righteous or anything. I just, I would love you. God, I'd love you. The girls had, we had a great time together on that show. That's so nice to hear, actually. Because I was, I remember at the time thinking, God, this is going to be so competitive. Just like, that was also part of it for me. Yeah, yeah, we had a great time together on that show. I'm still friends with those girls. Akiba uh, Burrell, whose dad is MC Hammer. And Laura Johnson, whose dad is in the Doobie Brothers. And the female energy on that show was, it was great. I love that. But, I, you know, you and I, we've said this before, if we had met when we were in those days, we probably would have <laughs> ended up in the hospital. So it's good that we didn't. But We absolutely would have ended up in the hospital. So I came in right after that. I came in literally a week before they started filming, maybe less, maybe four days, because I had had my record deal. I oh, and was, so you couldn't do I it? I couldn't, yeah. You couldn't be on the show wow. if you were signed. And I had been on Island, and so my record deal ended. And within three days of my record deal ending, my manager called and said, you're coming to our office. We have this meeting. We're holding it here. It's with these MTV people. I walked in. It was like 10 people in this big conference room, and they pitched me the show. And my management just said, we really think you should do this. You're coming right out of your record deal. And this would be really good for you. God, the timing of that was brilliant. It was crazy. It? Yeah. It, I just like went f- right from one thing to yeah. the other. And bit it of, was probably a bit of a lifesaver. You it was a lifesaver. so miserable otherwise. I really think that that was the reason for that show in my life because it didn't lead anywhere that the show <laughs> everything that was promised fell through for the winner it wasn't about that to me it was never about Wait, that to did me. the winner not get a record deal he did but it just who won crosby loggins kenny loggins son and i actually grew up with crosby Are they friends with crosby stills and ash yeah who's kenny loggins sorry not because i don't think i'm sure i'm a big fan but it's just i don't know famous people. so kenny sing Kenny's, a song Ken, food loose a foot loose, coming on my dancing shoes. A foot loose, a foot loose. Kenny's a solo artist. He um has many great hits aside from Foot Loose. I just do another one. I just took low hanging fruit with the Foot Loose. Nobody but me. Why you got to give me a fight? Can't you just let it be? 
Bogginses have been family friends of mine forever. My stepdad, Jim Recor, has been a manager in the music business for years and years. And him oh, and I Kenny. Didn't know that about yeah. Him. My stepdad, I call him my dad. My Jim dad, I call him. Jim dad and Kenny <laughs> went to high school together. Can he be my Jim dad? Too? Sure, of course he can. Let's get him over here. <laughs> Let's call him. He can be our guest. Is he now not not with your mother anymore? No, he's not with my mom anymore. But uh, he's still with you. He's still with me. Okay. Good. Yeah. We can call him in a second. He can be our guest on the show. My Jim dad is Kenny's manager. Jim dad. Back in the day, and so I know a lot of obscure Kenny Loggins songs. Crosby and I grew up together, and so now we were on Rock the Cradle together, and he won. So what you meant to get? As the winner, you were meant to get a record deal and a performance contract at Palms in Las Vegas <gasps> for a couple months, a residency, if you will, and I don't at know. At the all-day buffet. <laughs> At the blackjack table, I don't know. At the seafood buffet. Yes. I don't know how that panned out for Crosby, but I was never in it to win it. I didn't care, to be honest. What it was for me was that I was coming off of my record deal. Yep. That had been a very tumultuous process for me. I remember the night that I found out that it was ending, I ate a huge bowl, like a vat of macaroni and cheese. You vomited. I did not. Oh. You did. You're the vomiter of, <laughs> of the two of us. I'm more of a just in agony go to lying sleep. there. Okay. <laughs> I yes. just I just go to sleep. Sometimes you just gotta do a tactical form in that situation. So that night I said, Okay, I'm going to just be a mess tonight. I'm just going to give myself which is important in life. You give yourself 100%. fifteen minutes or a half hour or one night to just be a mess. And then I said, and I'm going to move on after tonight. And so coming on to Rock the Cradle really saved me in that way. It kept me really busy. It kept me performing. And it was a real blessing. So I just went into production. I hadn't auditioned. I hadn't sang for these people. Nothing. Well, they knew you were good, though. Yeah. And they knew you were a mad bitch, so you'd make good television. Exactly. So They'd uh, heard the stories. So that was it. So you and I missed each other narrowly. You know? Like two passing ships. Yeah, amazing. So that was that. Okay, that... so he's meant to get a record deal. Was there a cash prize? I forget. And singing at the And palms. a residency. Okay, so did he at least get the record deal? He got the record deal. It was a nightmare. I don't think he released a record through it. You just have to be kidding me. He got a record deal, but never released a record. I don't think I mean, so. That's I don't know. I mean, this is a very uneducated conversation a, I'm having. It's a because... classic tale. Do you speak to him now still? No, I haven't spoken to him since the show. Why are you smiling like that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think he got mad at me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Why is that? Because, because, because when I left the show, my leaving words were, anyone who was going to vote for me, vote for Jesse Snyder. And not Crosby. Who's Jesse Snyder? Jesse is a friend of mine on the show. His dad is D. Snyder of Twisted Sister. And so you picked a side. We had had this, I don't know. We just said like, 
I don't know. You had a pact. We had a pact that whoever left the show first was going to say. Yeah. Whoever was going to vote for me, vote for the other one. Yeah. And then I wasn't even thinking. thinking. I wasn't thinking. And then the second that I said that on live television. You knew. Crosby looks over at me from across the soundstage and goes, oh, thanks a lot. And I went, oh, yeah like i didn't even think like i grew up with crosby and i didn't even think it didn't even register to me that that would be a betrayal and it just i didn't i felt really bad about it yeah it's a bit of a shit thing to do it was it's not my proudest moment so is it okay now or not really it's not really no we've never spoken again our parents speak all the time, but I should reach out you to Crosby. You absolutely have to mention Crosby, this. I love you. Okay, Crosby. Listen. Crosby, listen. This I'm going to make thing it up that to happened, you. She really fucked up. She massively fucked up. I I'm did. looking at you. I did. I know you're looking me dead in the eye. And she's sorry. She fucked up. Don't let flop the cradle ruin a beautiful friendship, lifelong friendship. And just i think it's time to move on and she's really sorry and i'm sorry on her behalf as well let's just all be friends also was there a cash prize on flop the cradle we want the tea that was beautiful Annabelle. <laughs> that was really beautiful listen what i want to say about this because rock the cradle really was very beneficial to me as a performer there is nothing scarier than performing on live television You've got the countdown to zero. You've got makeup people running all around you. You have to deliver to that audience. And there were millions of people watching. And I got the highest judges score of anybody on the entire season. What, every week? Like overall, I got the high, I got like perfect scores. And Larry Rudolph, Brittany's manager, Mm -hmm. said, Brittany's ex-manager, you're the one to beat. And that was really great because... It felt really good to be challenged in that way to bring my A-game into a live television situation, Mm -hmm. which is such good training as a performer. You know, you see so many performers just flop on live television because it's a very challenging thing to get used to. And it takes practice. And I was thrown into it. And it felt really good to deliver. You know, it's not ultimately about the reviews and all that because if you believe the good you have to believe the bad you can't get caught up in the good or the bad because it's all none of it's real ultimately but you want to know something about me what never read reviews don't care about them i'll make my own mind up thanks yeah i love it that's how i feel i would have felt that way about the show except they were telling me to my face (laughs) every week so i had by the way the new york times said you were a fugly whore (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, they would rate you. They would. It was like you. Mean Girls, and then they would all be on the phone with you. Well, live performing is terrifying, and I'm really happy that I had that experience. I mean, good God, it's like boot camp. What you? It do. was. It really was. It was like a boot camp. And you're a born performer. You love performing. You're fucking good at it. Do you? No, absolutely hate it. What do you mean? I get so scared. But I'm getting desensitized to it. I get petrified. Before I go on stage, I want to quit. I want to run away. I can't stop shaking. I get freezing. I have to wear a heavy parka. Do you? 
Do you I get, get diarrhea? That's my thing. I literally diarrhea like six times before I perform. No, I don't. I know you would never say if you did because you're so fucking precious about <laughs> stuff. I don't. I oh, just no. get freezing. Oh, I never diarrhea. In fact, I've never taken a poo in my life. I don't even know what poos are. <laughs> Listen. You're warning me with peace and love. I am warning you with <laughs> peace and love. But I get freezing before I go on stage. Isn't that so weird, the body's reactions to fear? There's also one which is yawning. Like I don't do that. Do you do that? I'm doing it now because we said yawning. Sorry. Uh, yeah, yawning because your body's trying to get air because you're like hyperventilating. It thinks you're suffocating. So when was the last time you performed before the shutdown of COVID? Well, the thing that's tragic is I was just getting into performing and I was just getting into my stride for the first time in my life. And then along comes Miss Rona <laughs> to shut that shit down. Did you have a show scheduled? No, we were booking shows like every month. Yeah. Was the plan? We were planning a residency at Gold Diggers. And I was going to put on a night every month to build up to the release of my album. Mm-hmm. And also just because I wanted to build my own little thing. I'd be like, you would have come and performed. You know, my friend Savannah, my friend Harlow, all the other girls that I've, you know, played with and that are my friends over the years. I wanted to have art there and different kinds of things you know i wanted it to be like a like a salon an experience but, for yeah, the senses an experience yeah but yeah the last one i did was an acoustic one it was just a little thing it was to benefit the women's shelter downtown and that was the last thing i did mm-hmm. and just quiet yeah how about you I had done a string of shows. I did a few benefit concerts for the Alzheimer's Association. Who oh, that's I, so nice. I work with them a lot because my grandfather died of Alzheimer's. Sad. Is that the one where you get a shaky hand and things? No, that's the one where you forget everything. Because that was dementia. Well, Alzheimer's is under the umbrella of dementia. It's a type uh, of dementia. Okay. It's uh, very common. Yeah. Very, very common. So anybody who's been through it, just watching a loved one basically disappear before your eyes. It's really, Oof. really horrific. So I did a string of performances to benefit the Alzheimer's Association. And then my last thing was performing at the Troubadour in January. Oh, yeah. And that was fantastic. We sold it out. You sold that beautiful. It was out. packed. It was such an incredible you performance. like you were just in heaven. That performance at the Troubadour in January was my favorite of my entire life. I had gone through a security issue last year in my personal life that made me feel very vulnerable getting on the stage at the Troubadour that night. And I don't think I'll get into it (laughs) fully here, but just to say that I really was grateful for getting to be a performer that night and it really changed my perspective on what it is to be in front of a live audience and I felt very free and empowered that night and yeah I mean if you're in a situation where you don't know if that's gonna be your last performance or if you're yeah I mean not to be dramatic yeah but that was it yeah (laughs) Singing this song to you. 
walked off the stage after and Smokey, my bodyguard was there on the mm. stairs and I walked up the stairs and I fell onto Smokey and mm. I just collapsed and I just sobbed for yeah. like 10 minutes. And Aww. it wasn't, it was in a beautiful way. I was sobbing. I love you. I love you. I'm so happy. that. Yeah. That, I was so happy. That performance. A transcendent was, experience. I'm really grateful that I had that right before lockdown happened yeah. because I've been able to carry that gratitude for being a performer with me through this time. And you were planning this show that you wanted to get off the ground with everything you want to pour into that. Yeah. And we just really need to stay connected to that because long-term vision right now is very important to get through this time. Yeah, definitely. You know, the days, are, the days can seem very mundane. It's hard to feel hopeful every day. But as long as we're focusing on what's after this yeah. and getting back into the arena as performers... Do you think that's going to be sued? No. No. <laughs> no, I don't. So what happens to you before you go on stage? Mm. Where can we find Annabelle Jones no, 15 minutes before showtime? Provoke them. Oh, in the toilet. <laughs> um, <laughs> 15 minutes before. Okay, so I don't Where know can we why find you 15 I minutes before so showtime? I get so scared. What I do now is I hang out with my friends. I hang out with the band. I, so you hang out before you go on? I, I do don't. Now. I, I didn't go away. used to. I didn't used to, I but go away I do. from everybody. And then I give myself five minutes, not too long. Because if I have too long, I'm going to the bad place. But before, okay, so the last gig I did was for the woman shelter and that was an acoustic gig. The gig before that was just like a practice gig to get into the swing of things because we knew we wanted to do this club night that I was going to put on every month and... As we were talking about at dinner, Max and Ryan were playing my band with our friend Brian as well. We were in the green room at the venue and I lost it. You lost it? I... Like how many minutes before showtime? It was hours before. Hours? I was crying hysterically for like three hours. It was psycho. I basically think what happened was all of my PTSD about music and my experiences and things that we discussed in the last episode the last time I'd been in that situation that was the last time I performed was when I was still signed to those people in that situation four years ago and I think that I regressed back there and everything that was attached to being in that environment just sent me over the edge and I cried and I sobbed and it's just like a full PTSD meltdown. I don't know. There's no other words to, to describe it. Shaking, crying, sobbing, the whole thing. I wanted to cancel the show and... You did the show. I did it. So what changed your mind? You just talked yourself up and no, got yourself it, in the zone? I mean... Did somebody have to slap you around? Yeah. <laughs> Ryan basically said to me, if you don't do this, they've won. Because it has been such a slog to mentally and emotionally repair myself after that experience and build myself back up and get my confidence back and get my artistry back. And as soon as he said that, it was like an animal instinct to in me switched on of like a survival mode of like kill or be killed. Yeah. It just snapped me out of it. I'm like, they're not going to fucking win. You got out there and killed it. Yeah, I did it. Put Good. my makeup on, got out there. I was so nervous that my 
heart was beating so loud that you could hear it in the microphone. And I just decided to be really honest with the audience and I just said, I'm so scared right now, I haven't performed in about five years. And I put the microphone to my heart and I just was really honest and they were so, the audience was so supportive and so kind and of course it wasn't the best performance of my life because it was the first performance that I've done in five years and, and I was so scared but it was really good we recorded it and it was really good and that shocked me when I had played it back afterwards like oh my god you've come so far and one of the things that because obviously I've had I mean not obviously but I've had a lot of therapy over the last like five years and one of the things that my therapist has really tried to teach me and has taught me and is beautiful is the world wants to support you. And I, when he first said it, I didn't know what it meant. And I was just like, why would the world want to support me? What does that mean? Like, why? I couldn't quite get my head around it. And I thought that it was like saying that I was special or something, which it's not. That's not what it means. But you know when a dog rolls on its back and shows its belly like there is a natural way of things where if you show your wrists it's a welcoming action when you hug someone instead of put the hand out when you whatever it is you're saying to the universe and you're saying to the world I love you I'm offering myself in service in gratitude in love whatever it is the lesson that I've learned through literally having to do that against all of my instincts which say no the world is a terrible cruel horrible place don't trust anyone is that i would say nine out of ten times the energy is reciprocated yeah you just have to open yourself up to it yeah and i really really try and live by that really try and live by that so it's very powerful it is and once you see it in action it's really powerful mm-hmm. there's always going to be people that don't respond to that energy and there's way. always going to be resistance oh of course within you a within thousand different forms yeah exactly anytime you're trying to create to better something to move forward to move up to expand resistance is a spiritual law of the universe it's there no matter what and you'll think you, you know, spotted it and it'll show up in a different form. Yeah. And it's just a given. It's actually a good sign. Oh, it is. It's a, it's a lesson. It it's means like, that you're on the right track. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you're met with resistance. So. Wow. Well, that's, I can't wait to see you perform live. Thank you. We've never seen each other perform live. I've only seen you on, on the TV. Like, yeah. I mean, the YouTube, which I watch on my TV. But yeah, this and then the time afterwards, I started to feel wobbly and I was like, nope, we're not doing this again. You oh, you went back into it after you got off stage? No, no, no. Like the next time I performed. Oh, I see, I see, I see. I started to feel wobbly and I just had to say to myself, like, this isn't that situation. You're not in that situation anymore. You're here singing songs that you love with people that you love. The audience is going to support you. You're here for a really good cause. You're here with love, for love you're in control of your own life exactly i mean at the core of it the music is between you and you yeah you and you everything that and the acting whatever it's all between you and you everything that comes and goes every agent every manager every record label Mm -hmm. every project that comes and goes but it's between you and your art yeah your relationship with your with your craft and your art and that's it 
And every day I try to reconnect to that and make the choice again that that's what I want to be doing. That's interesting. I don't do that. Why do you do that? Because if I don't do that, I get very lost in the comings and goings of people and projects. And right. I get I get swept this way with a good review or a good comment. Uh, okay. I get swept that way with a negative comment. My ego gets tossed in this ocean of... Well, it gets activated, get basically. Ac- it's, get act- yeah, it's activated, it's triggered. It's a miserable time. And then I don't remember why I do what I do. Yeah. But when I keep it between me and yeah. my art, yeah, which is acting, singing, and piano. Yeah. Then nothing can touch me. Yeah. And I have the best time. Yeah, exactly. That is the thing, isn't it? When you're being authentic and when you're being real and when you're sitting with yourself and you're being honest with yourself. It's fulfilled already. <laughs> it's, it, makes, it does make you feel like untouchable. And you don't need any feel. outside... <laughs> And it doesn't matter what's going on outside. It doesn't, it doesn't matter, matter who... It doesn't matter who likes it, who anything. doesn't like yeah. it, who hires you, who doesn't hire you. You're having a great time. I, and that is a successful yeah, life. Yeah, exactly. That and to me is success. I had never had, like, it had gone so far from that for so long. That's how I used to be when I was younger. And I think that's, like, going back to the rock the cradle thing. That was how I used to feel at that time. Like, I would be, like, very much in that mindset. But I think when you're younger and unaffected yet by the world and you for the most part untarnished at that point to an extent it's much easier to sit with yourself in that way and your vitality and your life force is still so strong and so pure hasn't been messed around with yet and then those years in your 20s where you kind of are trying to figure out who you are it's so easy during those years I think to go off in the wrong direction oh god yeah go around the houses and I think especially when we then have you know difficult complicated or uh compromising experiences it's really easy to get pulled so far away from that and i that was one of the things that coming out of all that stuff was the hardest thing for me was to sit down at the piano and let all of that stuff go not think about is this song good is it bad good enough is it poppy enough is the am i will they like it? it will they like it will am i being accessible enough will my lyrics be understood like it had got to the point for me where it was like these guys were like little gargoyles on my shoulder it was like their voices were in my ears i got so lost at one point that it actually caused me physical pain yeah. to sit at the piano yeah. and try to write a song a whole body just a pain i was mm. sick yeah i was sick. sick because i was so tossed and turned in that ocean yeah. of Fuck ego yeah. and just being defined by what other people thought about what i was creating you cannot do it no you, it's you you can't you'll go mad you can't it's impossible to create when you are defined by what's coming at you from external forces and i think that's why those disney girls always go off the deep end is because they pick these really special girls and they have to be disney and when you work for disney i I knew this girl through somebody else who was working in a disney production and where she lived what she ate her phone number 
the medicine she was on everything that's the vibe when you're one of those young kind of judy garland-esque characters i mean not much has changed to be honest with you with the way they treat those girls and um it's a very hard journey i think that's why those girls have that wobble that they all have i mean some haven't but i would say for the most part most of those girls that i know of have had a wobble we think about the girls the women that they are they actually are like exceptional talents fantastic all of them the voices the way that they look yep they are gorgeous angelic looking women very Um, special women yeah very special yeah very special like one in a million imagine taking something that special and fucking with it well you and i have seen it firsthand like (laughs) it's um, a very unique road it's a very interesting journey and i'm very happy to be out of it and back creating again from a truthful place feel the same way i never thought i would feel so happy to be so disconnected and so far away from all of that and have no interest in well you had you had to disconnect to connect back to you absolutely and so now that that's back in place or maybe in place for the first time i don't know because back in place back in place okay Max and I call it becoming unfucked. That's a very good way to put it. And that's now our now that our thing for everything. If we write something, we're like, is, is this unfucked? Just to check in with ourselves. We'll be like, yeah, it's unfucked. So now from that place, the best is yet to come. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like everything feels better. Every single thing I do is just like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's free. It's real. It's free the best that is a successful life yeah way to go we are living successful lives God, successful how exciting is that bitches is this like a place to end i love being successful <laughs> okay <laughs> go off everybody anyway, thank you for up. joining us tonight we talked about some very interesting things i learned a lot I did too. I learned a lot. And join us again next week for Annabelle's continued homework assignment. <laughs> Do we have any final thoughts? Yeah, think... what's your number five on your list? No, I'll tell you next week. Okay, fine. Tune in next week to the Lucy. Our final Lucy thoughts are show. in the end, it's between you and you. That's a successful life. So I love it. Go get your success, people. I love that. My final thoughts are. Ask yourself, is this unfucked? Love it. Love you. Bye. Bye.